Welcome to yet another episode of the Skyline Podcast. Stay with me. We have a new guest, the GM of the Minnesota Twins, Sly DeYarden. How are you? I'm very good. Thank I just you. completely you, butchered your last name. Can you say that again for me? Yeah, Desjardins. Desjardins. Okay. Well, I, I was close enough. Sly came to me a couple days ago with, a, with an interesting proposition. I'm usually the one that's doing the interviewing. He was like, okay, how about you're on the other side of the table? So today... We're going to have Sly take the reins, and I am going to be the one being interviewed. So what's going on, Jake? How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Had uh, shit hit the fan at work there at the end of the day. But beyond that, it's been a, been a pretty chill day. Good, good, good. So I had little, some, some little questions here. I wanted to know exactly what are your strategies uh, for, the, for the draft this year. Like I know you went out with and picked up uh, Jacob Sanders there first. Um, what was your thoughts behind that? Why Jacob Sanders? Well... Until I, I had, when I looked originally at the draft pool, when it came out, there was only one person that caught my eye, Justin Ross, who ended up going to Montreal. I said this in Slack, and this is, I'm not using hyperbole. This is the best prospect I have ever seen in my life. Montreal got, Montreal got, a, got a steal here at 14. My scout has him with 70 potential on the pitching side. And then when you look at the hitting side, he has 80 contact potential, 80 power potential. When I saw that name, I didn't need to look any further. Until he was off the board, that was going to be my pick. So when he went off the board at 14, then I'm like, okay, I need to dig a little deeper. Um, there were a couple guys that caught my eye. Um, at one point, I was down to two guys. I was down to Sanders. And if I can pull up how the draft went here, I can. I believe it was Ron Taylor, I believe. I believe that's his name. No, Ron, it was... Um, I don't know, but what I liked about Sanders when I ended up going uh, – Rich Taylor. Excuse me, it was Rich Taylor. Um, so I was debating between those two. Rich Taylor, my, my scout, loves uh, 70 contact potential, 60 home run potential, and is a switch hitter. And uh, Sanders is, is a good contact guy. The, the thing that did it for me for Sanders um, – I'm getting a little cheap this year. Um, I'm running a little low on that budget. Sanders, I asked, was about 14 – was about $1.4 million less than Taylor – and the the other thing is Sanders is still a, a, a really good a spec. Um, he's going to play wherever he wants on defense. I've met 55 plus at every meaningful defensive rating. Um, with that 70 range, he can play shortstop. With 60s in the outfield, he can play any position he wants. Um, and, and he projects as someone that's going to hit 300 a year, is going to hit 25 home runs. Might not steal a lot of bases, but also is not going to strike out and, and has the potential to, to walk more than he strikes out. That age doesn't scare you. Like I, that's that's the only reason why I I I skip Justin Ross. It's that seventeen year old versus the eighteen year old for you pick with Jacob Sanders. Doesn't that scare you a little bit? Like I've drafted some people at eighteen, nineteen, and really just flop. Doesn't that uh, scare you a bit as a first rounder going? Uh, no, going young? I I don't think it does. It also helps that that I trust my farm system where it's at, where I think I can I can whiff on a first rounder. Um, it, it's not it's not what you want. Um, the the fact that he doesn't have uh, a, a Bonus demand above slot might be a, a red flag, considering that maybe he doesn't know how good he is. Um, but but OSA raves about the guy. My scout raves about the guy. Um, when I see 80 contact potential, 80 power potential, the dude had a .42 ERA um, in high school, struck out 17.6 Ks uh, through 9 in high school, and hit over 500 in high school. So, yeah, those, those are gaudy numbers. Um, and he's not going to turn 18 until after this year's over. Um, but 
I, I don't really care when, when my scout is telling me 80 contact potential, 80 home run potential. Do you look at competition level? Like when you look at uh, scouting? Like uh, average, average doesn't poor. bother me. When it, gets down, when it gets down to poor, that's when it starts to bother me a little more. Um, but especially for, for college kids, um, I'll, I'll look for that good to great. Um, average is, is okay, but in high school, I'm not too worried because it doesn't matter if it's great high school uh, competition. They're still going to be going up against um, great competition uh, once they reach the, the pros. So um, was I, it – sorry, I'm looking, I didn't mean to cut you. Uh, I'm looking at Justin Ross's hitting potentials again, and, and this is who I would have taken at one. Like when Trent picked at one, I, I, when he picked at one, I, I sent him – after he had picked uh, Olsen – I sent him screen grabs of what my scout said, and I said, if he falls to 14, I will cry. If he falls to 28, I will cry. Um, he got halfway there. Um, Jangles, Jangles got a steal. Um, but but I'm, I'm not kidding when I say this may be the greatest prospect I've ever seen. Age be damned. I'll be, I'll be shocked if, he's, if he gets that good. I do think he's going to – I don't think he's going to hit the 60 potential OSA has him at. I really think he's probably going to hit 50, maybe 45. I, I really I'm really scared about that age. That age really scares me. Um, but it's yet to see. We'll see it happen. That uh, that Phillies pick though at first I really enjoy, I really liked it. I think for, for his age he is the he is one of the pretty good hitters for his age um, and ready to go play in, in the sky. Off that anyway. So was the difference only the demand? Was that the only difference for you this year? What drafting strategy was? So as much success as I so. I've had decent success in the first round. We were, we were talking about that earlier. Um, my first draft was 2002. I took Gil Constable that year. He was my starting catcher for the last couple of years. Uh, after that, 2003, Ben Carson, who's now finally finding his uh, finding his way in Milwaukee. And then Adam Bird, Kevin Tipsord, uh, 04, 05. Uh, Jeff Hyatt, uh, who just made it up to A-ball in uh, 2006. Um, and then Greg Wright, Micah Obi, who are both, I believe, top 12 prospects in my system, 0708, and then, and then uh, Maley last year, who's Dave Maley, who's just on the fringe of being a, a top 100 spec. So as you can see there, I've, it's a couple outfielders, one infield there, tip sword, and, and a couple pitchers. But looking at the pitchers this year, Nation, Nation was the number one guy. Um, the, the issue with all that is, yeah, you, you touched on it. It, it, was, it was the money. Um, I have a lot of money tied up in players. I have <laughs> 75 million, nearly 75 million tied up just between Earwood, Kim, and Aguilar. And based on the picks that I had, um, I had a one and a five. Uh, I couldn't put that much money into my draft budget. Uh, at that point, I think I only had like a million dollars left for free agents. So I saw the, the demand at 800,000, which was roughly going to be what my first rounder was worth. So I'm like, might, might as well go with it. Because it doesn't help if I can't sign him. The draft pick might be fantastic, but if I can't sign him, then, then oh yeah, well. then it's not even worth it. Yeah, but at least you'll get two picks next year, right? That's yeah. The, <laughs> that's I just, the joy I just of kick it. it. I just kick it down the road another year. <laughs> Good. All right. So off the draft, since I know we're not done yet, we're still waiting on people to pick. So I won't go any further than that. But, um, so yeah, you're just coming off a one-five sim this morning. Your first in your first in start at ERA. Your third in BP in uh, bullpen. Your fourth in your sorry your eleventh in runs. So what are your what are you gonna do now? What's your next step? You're fourth in your division. Uh, so what's the next steps? So if you had talked to me earlier this morning, I would not have been uh, as down about myself. That I knew that this week was gonna be tough. Oakland and Arizona are probably the two best offenses in Sky. Um, and I gave up I gave up 32 runs to those two teams this week, and I'm still first in the West in runs against. I'm not worried about the pitching. Um, 
I, I I'll say this. I think I have the best rotation in the league. Um, Aguilar de la Cruz might be the best one-two punch in the league. Totten and, and Bird could be ones or maybe even twos on on most staffs in the league. Uh, Scruggs is is a top twenty OSA pitcher, and I haven't touched on Escobedo, who is as hurt as he is. Uh, my scout has him at at eighty potential. OSA has him at seventy five potential. Um, and if all goes right, that's my number five. Um, so I'm not too worried about the 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 pitching. On the hitting side, I, I honestly don't know. Um, I, I don't see many gaps in the lineup. Earwood, Earwood um, needs to step it up. Marache needs to, to get his head out of his ass. And I maybe need to fill in a gap at, at catcher, but tip sort at first. Uh, Kim, Noyola, Riley in, in the outfield. Cressman at short. Jorge Rivera at second base. I mean, can, can, you, can you tell me where I need to upgrade besides probably catcher? Catchers, catchers, one of the ones I didn't really like that tip sword, uh, tip sword at first, but you convinced me earlier. <laughs> uh, you really did. Um, yeah, for me at first, one of my original look was first base needs to be upgraded, and Jimmy Reese is not not for sale. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, I'll keep asking. Don't worry. <laughs> it, 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 you think that I'm done asking after what? You, you've turned down what six, six, seven times now. We're, that, we're getting, we're getting there. Yeah, but we're, we're going to get into the dozens. We're we're going to get into the dozens on that. <laughs> I think it's at the you're you're very cool though. It's at the beginning of every season. Oh yeah, I'm like, hey, I guess is, the- <laughs> is this guy available? It's not just you. I, I I'll be uh, and Andy Elmith is. I asked about Souders and Flores. I I, I asked. Uh, I put uh, wondering the unavailability with with un in parentheses uh, about Flores and Souders and Andy was like, yep, they're both unavailable. You are correct. I'm like, eh, I tried. Don't know until you ask. I mean, that that's how I got Cressman. I, I messaged I messaged Derek. Is, is Cressman available? What's the price on him? And twenty minutes later, we had a deal. Wow, that's and, and you know what? I that's the thing that I never I never did as much. I never really asked. Like recently, I just been asking Texas some stuff. But I mean, it's something I never did before. I never really went out and go trying to get get a player. I just kind of wait till they fall on the block and then jump on it. Um, but as of late, you know, I've just been, you know what, let's let's get out of average. Let's try to speed it up a bit, trying to play with the elites here. So, and that's, and it's a good way of doing it. I know you'll find hidden treasures here and there. And I think you, you've been doing great by just asking those questions. And they're going to tell you whether they want it or not, right? So, whether they want I mean, to I, move them or not. I, I did the same thing with Vines this offseason. Um, I mean, uh, David said he didn't want to move Vines. Um, the, the key in the Akbar deal was McCauley. I said, I said, are you sure you don't want to move vines? Like, I'm sure. I said, even for Macaulay, I think his response is, why'd you have to do that to me? Now I'm going to have to look again in the morning. <laughs> um, and, and then we got that deal done. So I, I don't, I don't mind asking if, if people want to tell me to, to fuck off, he's not available, then, then I'll fuck off. But again, you don't know until you ask. It's true. It's, you're absolutely right. What's going on with, uh, with Juan de los Santos, man, that FIP is through the roof. Um, four home runs through six innings isn't going to help. Um, he is on, he's on the hook for three of my, uh, three of my eight losses this year. Uh, he's given up a home run in each of those losses. And in one of the, in two of those three games, he hasn't gone, uh, more than an inning. Uh, I knew I was going to get that with, with the 45 movement. Um, but considering he decently survived in, Colorado last year and was a stalwart on some of those very, very good Mets staffs. I mean, he never had an ERA above three, nine while he was in, while he was in Flushing. 
I'll see if I can get that. Um, the nine walks per nine, I don't think is going to continue. And that six home runs per nine is the definition of unsustainable. I mean, that that's just not going to gonna happen again. So that's part of why that FIP is a very, very ugly 14 right now. Um, I expect that to get below five. If it doesn't, then he may find himself to be a free agent by July. But I mean, I feel it's a, we're still early. We're only a couple weeks in, but I still feel like it's going to drop about 1.4. Same thing that he did in the Mets in the last year. Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the, there's there's no way that, that home run per nine stays above two. Mind you, I said the same thing last year about uh, Garza, and he had a home run uh, per nine of, I think, two in each of May, June, and July. Wow. I get it. And then I decided to re-sign him, because why not? He's been doing really well. I'm not going to... Like, he's been doing not bad. His FIP is 2.23. Right now he's playing a 0.4 war, but, I mean, he hasn't let in any home runs. No, uh, give, has given up an earned run in each of his last three appearances, so hopefully that's not um, a sign for the future. Um, but the fact that he got through, I believe, his first seven outings, giving up only one run... Very, very happy with that. And I think that one run, yeah, that one run was during a during a 4-1 win on, uh, I think it was that second game of the year. Or no, that uh, I think that was actually, yeah, that was the second game of the year. And I remember watching, that was a live sim, and I'm watching that, watching Garza come in. I'm like, come on, just don't, don't screw it up. You let in the run, and then Vines came in, and then everything figured itself out. But yeah, going back to an upgrade, catcher for sure. Adrande, I don't like his uh, his defense part of things but you got a good backup not hitting wise anyways but and then i've also got i mean casal and graham were both on uh trends top uh catcher prospects graham has 42 uh, 42 days worth of major league service had two war last year in triple a and uh casala had a, had a great spring training honestly he'd probably be up in the majors right now if i didn't already have five selfish players and a disruptive <laughs> um, but you do- but you don't so, care about that. Come on now. I, I don't care about that. But when the locker room gets to unhappy two weeks in, something's got to something's got to happen. Yeah. No, you're right. I see you. Uh, you signed Davon Shefford and put him in Triple A. I did. Yes. Uh, I contacted you earlier, but I'm like, hey, uh, yes. your, your voice, your voice, Shefford's available. I was like, you. You said to me, uh, we got rid of him because we did not want him back. Yes, I did not. Uh... I didn't like that ERA that ERA spike at the end. No, letting up too many home runs for me. And and it was a walk here, so just wipe your hands clean, call it a day. And and another uh, Minnesota twin uh, came through the AAA system for I think two weeks before being sent to Boston. uh, Juan Fonseca. I got robbed. (laughs) But yes, I think that that flip was amazing. Um, So walk me through that, okay? So we, you kind of just said, "Hey, is uh, so I I said yeah, I asked this." Yeah, I asked if Fonseca was available. I mean, that, that ADI is, is, is just pretty. I, there's no other way around it. Like, you, you look at the splits and you see it 60 against lefties. That doesn't matter. You just look at look at the basic batting rates. You, you just see that ADI. It, it gives, you, gives you warm feelings on the inside. So I asked if he was available. I asked you, – you said, sure, he could be moved. I, we decided he was going to be, what, your sixth – Sixth outfielder at best. I have too many outfields. Yeah, I have too many outfielders. And I'm looking at it now. I realize you you let uh you let uh what's the name go? Rusty Springer. Uh yeah. So I let Rusty Springer go, and today I just uh, I had to let go of a pitcher as well. So I let um, Hatton go. 
Surprised you didn't you didn't let him uh, stay in in uh, instead of Bronson Garrity. Uh, I mean, Garrity looks good. So, you know, Garrity does look good. Um, and I, I had somebody approach me for um, for Alleman today. Uh, I don't know. I really I want to move him up. He's ready to move up. He could definitely play. Um, I don't like his personality class, but I mean. I don't know. I'm having second thoughts, but I mean, at the same time, I want Alamin to play. He's been playing really bad. Alamin or whatever you want to call him. Um, and plus, he's a fan fave. Like, he's, he makes my fans happy. I don't know. It's, I'm at a spot now where I feel like my team is coming together from what it used to be. I, I went from basically last place in starter ERA and on the eastern side to now I'm first this year with uh, good defensive efficiency thanks to um my shortstop so basically to albertson if it wasn't for him then i don't think i'd be getting the defensive defensive efficiency but now i'm lacking hitting so i went from one side of the table to the other um trying to find that perfect medium is what it is right it really isn't jeremy reese can only do so much he can only carry me so far actually this year he's been not my best hitter it's it's actually I didn't. I was it kind of such caught me off guard. It's actually Derek Northcutt. So, I think I inquired about him way back when. I think I talked about him or, or Valdeviezo. I think when, everybody everybody's has approached me at least once for my guys. Um, I go quick to the no, not available, and then I think about it afterwards and be like, ah, maybe I can move him. It's I don't know. It's just uh, I have to go deep into the game and take a look and see, hey, is it worth it? But yeah, no, he's yeah. You inquired I think in two thousand six. Just like my second year, he was up. Because right, I saw you had, I think, four or five outfields. I'm like, if one of these guys is an extra, I'll, I'll take him. Um, but yeah, going back to Fonseca, like you, I, I, I asked if he was available. You, you gave me a name, Grabsky. He's probably going to sit in AAA for you until he gets cut. Um, and then I asked Boston about Forrestal. He said he, he could be moved. I asked him to give me some specs. Mind you, he was drunk at the time. Um, <laughs> When he, he was, I believe he was also drunk when he made the Horner trade. Um, but I asked him to give me specs. He said, what about this Francesca dude? I'm like, that's not how it's spelled, but, you know, we, we, I know who you're talking about. And it, it worked for me. I mean, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think Fonseca would have come up until next year at the latest. I mean, because I'm, I'm set for the most part in the outfield. Um, but I just couldn't. I, I, Grabsky was, was movable depth, and I, I made that move. Yeah, I called you Storage Wars, but yeah, you had the better comparison. And then I'm like, stars. no, 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 I'm not Storage Wars. I'm Pawn Stars. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what you are. Oh, I love it. No, that was a good flip. Um, I'm upset that I didn't do it myself, but yeah, no, that's a really good flip. Um, it, would, it worked out for you. But I think that's what you're good, for, you're good at, right? You're good at making a player valuable. And I think that's – you see the value in things that other people don't. Like I didn't – the only thing I cherished was that I, but outside of that, there was really nothing for me to cherish uh, because I had better players to play. So, yeah, take a hike, Fonseca. <laughs> I forget I who it was earlier, but I, but this this had to have been four or five seasons ago that someone said – it might have been Gr- uh, Chris Graham, the the old LV uh, GM that said, Jake could sell bananas to a monkey. He, he, could make man- he can make monkeys pay for bananas instead of just pl- <laughs> plucking them off a tree. Um, and I, I believe it. I absolutely believe it. I think it was when Milwaukee had DJ Hoover. I, I believe uh, Andrew threw Hoover on the block. 
and he, he pinged me and said, "Hey, can you uh, cue right up why he's uh, why he should be moved?" Just like because he he knew I I can find those stats. I'm not gonna talk about the bad things. I'll talk about the good things that should be harped on. If you come to me with the bad things, I'm just gonna hit you with four other things. That are like, oh, no, no, don't look at that. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, on the on the Hoover side, he's been playing better. I don't know what's going on. He's oh, yeah, 36 he... years old, and he's being for Minnesota, anyways. He's just been better and better every time. Uh, he's he's consistent. Is what he is. I mean, he he hasn't a he's had I think four full seasons above a four ERA out of his 14 seasons in the league. Uh, led the ERA, led the season, led the league in ERA back in 2001, but he's had at least two and a half WAR every year since 2005. Um, I mean, he hasn't been bad by any stretch. I mean, his, the first two years in Minnesota, he had a 4.81 ERA with a touch under three WAR, and then a 3.89 ERA with a touch under four WAR. So it's it's not like he's been bad by any stretch. It, it looks to me it's just more unlucky. Um, but if you want to talk about what uh, what's going on with uh, Hoover. Career high FIP. Just just wanted to point that out. <laughs> let's get off my guy now. So, <laughs> so, so let's go back to your pitching. So Mark Scruggs, why were you looking to to get rid of him earlier in the season, right at the start? Uh, right at the start, because he was going to be my fifth starter. Um, I, I had I had a couple teams inquire about him. There are a couple teams that I was curious with. Um, but Escobedo going down that last week of free agency um, made made Scruggs my fifth starter. Um, I kind of talked myself into keeping Scruggs because I'm I'm only on the hook for for about 2.6 million this year, and he's got a very very reasonable seven and a half million dollar extension next year. He's going to be 30 on right near opening day next year, so it's not like he's I, I should expect him to fall off a cliff. Um, and, and Escobedo's not not the healthiest guy. Um, he's definitely had those those shoulder issues. Um, he's been in the league for, I believe, this is going to be his third year. He missed time in, in 2008, uh, missed a couple days in, in 2009 there, but he, he became insurance, and I can't really can't really move insurance. I don't really have a, a six starter if one of my other starters goes down. It's probably going to be, uh, like I might be De Los Santos, might be able to pull something off the, the trash heap in, in AAA, um, but he was, that, he was that sixth starter, and he was an OSA top 20 guy. If if Escobedo stays healthy, I probably move Scruggs, just because of what he could get in return. In all honesty, because if if I if if I have everyone healthy, Scruggs is is in the bullpen, and with what I use the bullpen for, I could probably get more value from Scruggs as a trade piece than using him in the bullpen. Yeah, On I the flip that. side, if if I'm just going for it all, I might as well just hoard Scruggs and be like, no, he's mine. Bad. <laughs> But I mean, you'd probably get more pieces back for, for Scruggs than you would actually worth keeping him. Um, I I I think I could get a, a a two plus a good spec plus a lot more. Did you ever consider going a six man rotation? I've not. I'm someone that once my number one guy is up, he's pitching. Um, and I'm lucky that that I've had Arturo Aguilar to do that. I mean, you look at his injury history. He had he had, he had the flu back in '98 and the cold back in 2002. That's it. Like I, I was looking at this. Like your pitchers never hardly even go down. Even, even the, um, we were just talking about. I forget his name already. Um, Esteban Cruz. No, Esteban, Estebanos, I believe. Um, let's go back. No, Esco, Escobedo. Yeah, Escobedo. like he, he's he's only had a couple injuries, but even though he's only been here in two thousand eight, but he only had one bad injury going down for four months. The rest is pretty much minor. 
or sorry, the effect is moderate. And that was also I mean, an injury that he had in the postseason. That was right. It that was right. I believe that was during the uh, the Skyline Cup series that he went down. Yeah, he's nowhere near some of the scroll guys we see. Um, it's still early though, but I mean, there's nowhere near some of the things we see. So I think he's still going to be a pretty decent start. I mean, yeah, I've gotten lucky with with Aguilar every year I've had him. Uh, besides besides that 2002 season. Uh, where he had those issues. Uh, I've gotten at least 34 starts. I've gotten at least 210 innings out of him. And he had a career He had a career year last year. Pitches most, uh, pitches most ever innings. I missed a start with him, actually. Like, he he should have had 35 starts and probably 250 innings last year. Um, I think I started uh, my catcher instead of him in one game. Um, I think I ended up losing that game, actually. <laughs> but I know that I have, I have a, one, a number one that's going to be there. And I'm, and that's something that not a lot of teams can say, um, and I, I'm lucky to have that. I really am. Yeah, I said it before, and I've told you many times. I said I, with that pitching, I think you can be the first in your division every time. Because you know what, I'm, I'm realizing more and more this the sky environment is very pitching defense. Like if you look at the at the Mets, it's been very pitching defense for a mm-hmm. while. Not very much hitting. They've been hitting getting all these these cups. And if you look at Pittsburgh, they're in a pitching friendly. Um, basically, their park is pitching friendly. So if you look at all their pitchers, their ERA are very low and they're doing really well. And then take a look at yourself with the, the elite squad you got. You're doing just as well. This is why like my, metho- my methodology changed this year where I went, you know, I said, hey, I needed some defense guys because if I'm going to compete with people, because I, I my theory before was going hitting which was which is clearly not yours. <laughs> well, you got some good guys. You got some good guys. I like I like Kim. I'm not willing to pay the price, but I like Kim. All right, and he was someone that I got again. I believe he was someone that was that was thrown on the block. Um, and I asked about the price, and it, it wasn't a need at that point. I mean, it, actually, looking back, it might have been a need, but I mean, I gave up. I got. I gave up three specs. Um, I mean, I liked I liked Kosiga because uh, Kosiga st- started most of, if not uh, some of 2007 with us. Manzo was going to be a, a DH platoon guy, and Ograndi was was a solid third base back who I think uh, nearly cracked the top uh, 150 at some point. But I mean, I, I I couldn't pass on Kim at that price. Yeah, you gave up uh, Kosiga, Manzo. Ogrodny and, and a pick, and, and and Kim was on, uh, I believe, 25% retention as well. Yeah, he was. That's actually so a pretty good pickup. I got, so for $18 million a year, I paid for four war, and I've gotten what I needed. I've gotten it on, I've gotten someone that can, can play leadoff if I need him to. He's not going to hit, he's not going to hit home runs, uh, even though Chicks did the long ball. He's gonna lead the league in walks. He's gonna he's gonna nearly walk as much as he strikes out, and he's gonna have an OPS right there around 800, as well as playing Gold Glove caliber defense. Yeah, and when it comes to war, I think you won that trade. So turned out pretty well for you. But and, I mean, now so what, what's your plans now? He's coming at the end of the, so he's the end of his contract. So are you gonna are you as of like now? Extending? My plan is let him walk. Um, I'm sitting on roughly $15 million in extension money. I'm guessing Aguilar's got a player option for next year. I'm guessing he's going to decline that, so I need to extend him. Garza's got an $8 million team option. I don't think I exercise that. Earwood's got a $25 million option that if it it keeps up, he's gone. 
And then Mirachi's got a $10 million option. So I could be playing with, let's see, that's 35 and 8. That's close to 43 plus 79. I, I could be close to, to 50 to $55 million in extension money. And I could easily throw some of that at Kim because he's uh, the, the only impending free agents I have are Kim, Forrestal, De Los Santos, and Kent Williams. De Los Santos and Williams were, were one year deals. I can, I can, Kent Williams is a fourth outfielder. I can pull up another one. Forrestal is a lefty specialist for all intents and purposes. Um, Marache and Garza, that's, that's a DH platoon guy that I need to replace and, and a reliever that I need to replace. And Earwood's a, a starting third baseman, so I'd need I'd have fifty five million dollars to to replace the starting left fielder, a starting third baseman, and a bullpen guy. And if yeah. it falls like that, and if Kim's if Kim's only asking, I believe his ask right now is thirty million. That's probably too rich for me. If that comes down to the twenty twenty five range, I could see myself extending him. And I did the same thing with Totten last year. I mean, Totten was asking for twenty million at points last year, and I can't blame him. He had yeah, eight point six WAR between oh eight and oh nine. He was asking for upwards of 15 all year, got as high as 20, and then I look one day, he's asking for 12 and a half. So I threw a contract extension at him, not expecting him to sign it because I offered it to him, I believe, late August or early August, went a sim without signing it. And between when I offered the contract and when he signed it, his price had gone up to 20 million again. So I'm like, there's no way he signs this. I'm, I'm out on the golf course when Michael Sims, so I, I pull up uh, the reports. After Michael updates that, and I, I look at Todd's extension info, and it says three years, thirty-seven and a half million. I'm like, okay, I'll take That's it. That's a steal, yeah. I mean, this is also a guy that he tore his shoulder labrum. He, he tore his labrum on July 31st of 03. Was out for eight months. Comes back the next year, tears his UCL on July 31st of 04. And then, unbeknownst to me, I realized that he pitched again July 31st the following year. Did not get hurt, but he had gotten hurt July 31st of 03, again on again in 04, luckily not in 05. And after after that capture in 05, he's been relatively healthy. But he's also like getting better and better. Like I, I'm looking at his ERA, it just keeps dropping year over year, and like his WHIP is dropping year over year. If you want to see something special, look at his last two years against righties. I, I Stat Central last year during the latter part of the year was just a Nate Totten against righties thing. Over the last two years, he has gone, I believe, uh, 102.2 innings against righties, allowed 99 hits, one walk, and 93 strikeouts. One walk. That's intense. No, he's been, like, even his, I think he's led the league in in the fewest walks, I believe. Mm -hmm. The the last two years, he's led the West in walks per nine. Wow. And then last hey. year, and last year he sets a career high in K's in a in the fewest innings since 2006. And he's not showing signs of like regression. He's still pumping those numbers out. And I've got him for 12 and a half each of the next three years. I mean, I've got <laughs> that's a steal. I mean, and I the only pitcher on my team making more than 12 and a half million is Aguilar. Escobedo is not due for arbitration until let's see if I can find him. He's not due for arbitration until 2012. Bird is locked up at thirty and a half million dollars total over the next three years. Totten's making twelve and a half each in the next three years. Scruggs is making two point eight this year, seven point five next year. So it, yeah, it's also a matter of not just having the talent, but being able to lock it up for cheap, which is also something I've been able to do. Oh yeah, and then uh, uh, De La Cruz is on probably I want to say the best contract in baseball. 
De La Cruz? What's his contract like? Six hundred thousand a year for the next five years. <laughs> and he signed that. Wow. He signed that, I believe, before before last season, last off season. Yep, January fourteenth, two thousand eight. He was going to be a reliever. He had spent the year as a reliever with me, and then I throw him that deal. If you just look at the OSA bump between 2009 and 2010, you kind of understand. OSA had him 65, 45, 45 potentials 2009. That jumps to 80, 50, 55 in 2010. So, yeah, I, I got lucky. Like, I, I, will, I will be the first to admit that I, am, I got lucky with De La Cruz. I got lucky that I inherited Aguilar. I got lucky that I inherited Totten. Are these like guys all fade? Oh, no. De La Cruz was a, a draft pick. De La Cruz was a fifth-round draft pick. They got a, a lucky uh, uh, talent, random change, whatever you want to call it. Aguilar was inherited as a scouting discovery. Um, but I also like to think that I, that I put my touch on this team. Tipsword was a draft pick. Kim was a trade. Noyola was a trade. Sorry, Cincy Matt. Raleigh was a trade. Cressman was a trade. Rivera was an IAFA. Marache was a trade. Earwood was a trade. So in, in, my, in that starting lineup, I'm looking at, at six guys acquired via trade. And then you go to the pitching staff. Aguilar was a discovery. De La Cruz, Totten, Bird were draft picks. Scruggs was a trade. And then Vines, Garza, Galindo were trades. Clough was a waiver guy. And then De Los Santos and Forrestal were both. Or Forrestal was a trade guy. So everyone knows I like to make trades. Um, but they find their way into my lineup, and they f- they end up working. I am looking at that Noyola trade. That is crazy what you got yeah. in return. Yeah. What you gave up. He yeah. literally, basically, who who was was that before Matt? Nope, that was with Cincy Matt. Wow. <laughs> you basically. <laughs> I that's. Robbery, you took that. That's that, that's that, a win for you. Yeah. That that's more than robbery. That's a win for you. Wow. I didn't even look I didn't didn't even go in depth in that trade. I actually thought you picked up you picked him up through uh uh free agents like the uh international free agent. No. Because you seem to be getting some pretty good lucky pick lucky picks out of there. So because you had Ibarra at one point. Had uh, so I believe it's uh, Juan Casillas, who's now in, or Jose Casillas, who's now in the Colorado system. He's a top hundred spec now. Juan Aguilar, who's the number three spec in baseball. Alex Abaro, who's the number one spec in baseball at one point before he had a bit of a fall off. Ernie Granados, uh, who is now in the Detroit system. I believe he's a top fifty spec. Jorge Rivera, who's now my starting second baseman. Um, we had we had some success there in uh, in IAFA for sure. So now you're sitting in fourth place. Who do you think is going to be your biggest competition in the Pacific? Oakland. I, if if Oakland stays healthy, that offense is is not going to be fun to mess with. I mean, they're they're ninth in in runs scored right now, and they've still got Garrett Shaw, who has 15 RBIs from the leadoff spot. He he's come out of nowhere. Uh, I I didn't even think about about Garrett Shaw as a as a potential option. I just thought Nate Warner was going to take over center field. Nate Warner's is the DH right now, but you just look at that lineup and you don't see a hole. You see a potential hole at set in in uh, at catcher. Uh, second base is Aaron McGrath right now, but Spellman's about to come back. Matt Honey is not a bad first base by any stretch of the imagination. He's not going to hit for a lot of contact, but he's gonna. He's, he has some pop. He plays good defense. Uh, has a good eye, but you just look at the top of that lineup: Shaw, Warner, Flores, Souter, Santana, Wingard, 
And if the pitching can can stay healthy, Navarico is no slouch. Ducre is young and has potential. Uh, Lang just came up and, and had a he got he got hit around by us six run runs in uh, three and third innings. But if he comes to fruition, he he's a former top ten spec. He was the number fourteen spec to start this year. So, do you think he's ready though? I, he only has I I don't find that forty five changeup to be. I've only got him at thirty five. I, I sorry think he's, sixty. I'm <laughs> I'll switch it from my scout to, to OSA. But yeah, do you think that that's gonna ever eventually go to sixty? I think it will. I think it. I think it will develop with changeups. Once from changeup, for some reason, is the tough pitcher to develop. Once I see it get past a twenty, I'm more inclined to see it develop. Um, I think it does. If not, he's got a very good reliever on his hands. Um, but looking at that bullpen, he's also got Chris Ortega, a seventy overall guy, a fantastic signing in free agency. Andy Krumwide, another fantastic signing in free agency, who's going to be a very very solid uh, bullpen option for him. Uh, he's not a starter anymore. Um, he started 18 games from him last year, but he's in the bullpen. Kroom White is someone that I do not want to go up Sad. against. And, and then Peterson, Ramirez, Manrique, um, Josh Owens. I mean, that's a very, very talented bullpen. Um, th- this this should be the year that Oakland makes the playoffs. They they haven't made it while I was here. They have not made the playoffs since 1994. Wow. 1994. They made it every year from 88 to 94, won the division every year, but won in that span, won the championship in 1988, and have not been back to playoffs since then. So if Oakland's making it, you're making it, who do you think out of Seattle and, and the Dodgers making it? Seattle. Or do you, or do you think— It's going to be you... Seattle. Well, Los Angeles, it's a, it's a quality team. Again, the, uh, a very solid one-two punch there at the top of the rotation. Josh Phillips, Mike Michelson. Uh, Sadakazu Morikawa is one of the best closers in the league, but I just don't know if if the hitting is there. Finkel's Finkel's a good upgrade at third base. Uh, Coyle, Robbins, Guerrero, Finkel, Riffle, Jimenez—they're all good. Like that, and he's got Ernesto Mendoza batting six. That that's a perennial Gold Glover at shortstop. But I don't think it's as talented as the Angels. I don't think it's as talented as the Mariners. And I just think that Oakland hitting duo of Souders and Flores. This is, this is an Oakland team that's 10-8. and eight. Flores is batting 200 with three home runs so far. That's not going to continue. He's going to hit 30 home runs. He's going to steal 40 bases. This is the best player in Sky. When you, when you bring durability into it, there's no one I would rather have than Tony Flores. He's 26 years old, not a scratch on him, and you look at what he did last year. Like I'm, looking, get, at, I'm looking at Souders right now. He's day-to-day, and he's still batting the three— 310 right now with six ribs. I mean, yeah. Sa- wow. Souders is 24. Flores is 26. We're going to have to go against that for the next three years at, at a minimum. I mean, that's scary. That That's a scary one-two punch right there in the batting order. We were talking about this in Slack, the, the yeah. one-two punch that I'd rather have. Um, I, I threw Noyola Cressman out there. Uh, Pittsburgh threw out uh, Fort Contreras. It, it all pales in comparison to Flores Souders. There's nothing close to that one-two punch. Yeah, but you got something comparable, I believe. But I mean, yeah, Flores Souders, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. I mean, this is the number three and number four player in OSA. Souders is number three. Flores is number four position player in OSA. The more I look into this lineup, the more I'm scared. Like I'm looking at Shaw, look at his speed, gets on base real quick, and even even Nate Warner can run. He's got the defensive abilities. He can get on base. 
And just imagine can... if Oakland didn't have one of the smallest budgets in the league. Imagine if Oakland had an extra $40 million to play with. Yeah, I mean, Oakland, Oakland's budget this year is the, the smallest in the league, $154 million. Imagine if they had, let's say, the Mets at 184. Imagine if they had an extra $30 million to play with and could throw that at a first baseman or a catcher. Be dangerous. Be dangerous. I mean, we know that Tampa Bay just uh, just moved. If there's one other team that I would allow, that I would be on board with relocating, it would be Oakland. That's it. Because they don't have the market size. They don't have the fan loyalty. They don't have the fan interest. If If they could get it out of Oakland, say Nashville, Somewhere, maybe even Salt Lake. They can get somewhere that market size is is above average. Fan loyalty is better. Fan interest is better. That budget's going to skyrocket from 154, and that team's going to compete right away. Do you think Arizona has a shot to at least make it? They don't, I don't think they have the pitching. I mean, besides I like... Matt, besides Matt Gary, I mean, can you point to a pitcher and be like, I want him pitching in in a in a lockdown situation? Yeah, more I look at, it. but I mean, like. I feel like he's – this was me last year. Shitty pitching, just a, a really good, decent offense that gets you – tries well, to get you at least above five. I mean, again, you want to talk about a scary lineup. I mean, this is a this is, this is a team that can hit one to eight. Pushak, Pineda, Tiggis, who doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, their right fielder, He's he's got serious pop. 26 I've never heard of last him. year. <laughs> I, he I'm, doesn't – because I don't know why. He just doesn't get talked about. He really doesn't, but he had 26 home runs last year, 902 OPS. Um, he can't field that well, but it, it's what it is. Um, Messner at first, who, again, is someone that doesn't get talked about but has real pop. And he, he, looks, like, he looks like Reese without the defense. He really does. He does, but I like Reese's contact. Reese's, I think he's at 65. It is, and Messner's is only 55, but he was the platinum stick winner last year. But imagine with imagine he had that defense though, like three point five, with that defense he's hitting five WAR easy. I mean, and we haven't even talked about Juan Castillo at shortstop, who's just doing Juan Castillo things again this year and has a one thousand one hundred nine OPS through eighteen games. That is insane. I mean, when I think of the West, I think pitching. I think the pitching in LA. I think the pitching in Seattle. I think the pitching in California. They've and you got, know what? We have I offense. Think, but I think. I think pitching is all across the board. I think all the teams now, like, well, I'm, I'm assuming now at this point, but I mean, most of the teams, like I've done that switch where I was just focusing on hitting and then I say, hey, I got to retool. I got to go back to my pitching style where I had Mickey, had the time. I had Andy. I had a bunch of guys who can pitch and I was making the playoffs easily or in third or second place. But now with just hitting, I can't even get past past the sixth mark. I can't even I get mean, past the one team. The one team that's been able to get away with no pitching is the team that plays their home games in Coors. Yeah. Besides Colorado, there haven't been very many teams that have been able to get by solely on pitching. Um, Las Vegas did way back when. They had some quality teams that could hit but couldn't pitch. Um, you, again, you look at that 2017 that scored nearly 900 runs. Allowed 750, should have had 91 wins. That's a team that had, I believe, a Pythagorean record of 91 and 60, uh, 91 and 65. They finished dead even at 500. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely a pitching league, and if you can hit, great. It's Otherwise, just an added bonus, right? Like yeah, yeah it's, it's an added bonus. I mean, you saw 
they were, the Mets scored 11 runs in four games in, in last year's finals and lost a couple of those games by one run. I think the Dodgers outscored them, what, 16 to 11, 17 to 11? Yes. It wasn't a lot. It was just enough. That's it. And, yeah, and kudos to, to Dodgers. I Honestly, I feel like they're going to make it this year again. Maybe not win it up, but I mean, I think they're going to squeeze by again. Same thing as last year. They started off really bad and slowly creep their way up in, into the spots. So that's, I feel like Michael will be able to do that again. So that's what I feel. I really think you're going to be number one again. I think that's going to be your spot. Just uh, that pitching is just dominant. It's very dominant. Whoever finishes fourth in the Pacific will have a better record than third place in the North and third place in the Central. I'm going to say that right now. That's that's potential. That's for sure. I think the North is is. I think most teams are fighting for the 500, 600. And I really think that the Pacific is really fighting for the, the 6 to 700 range. Um, same thing I mean, with yeah, the, I mean, I, the, the, I didn't feel comfortable last year until I got to, to 90 wins. It, it ended up being 86 was the number to get to. But if you look at the history of the Pacific, it's been that 90-win barrier that you needed to get to. Once you got to 90 wins, you were fine. But until you got to 90, it was, it was a seesaw whether you were in or whether you were out. It's. I'm just looking at it like Milwaukee, fourteen and four. Cincinnati, twelve and six. Is Cincinnati for real? Is the rebuild over in Cincinnati? I think that's the question we're all asking. If I do, I think the rebuild. I think they still the players are still young. He's still got a lot of young guys. He's still gonna have to keep going and building that team up. But I mean, I think right now they're just over overperforming. I that I really just think that's what it is right now. I mean, the, the, like, the, the sky leader in pitching war is Joe Durrell. And this is, this is what I'm saying. Like, if you look at his team, like, the ERA is through the roof with most of the pitcher. Even if you look at the bullpen, I think it's just a matter of time at this point. I think – I don't think that's sustainable for him. He might – if, he, if he's able to get a couple more wins and stay up week after week, then yeah, okay. But, I mean, I don't believe that uh, he'll stay there for long, especially with Luciani gone. For four months? He That's has a capable backup. Antonio uh, Antonio Calderon is a very capable backup. I don't know if the context there yet, but I think that'll be enough to stay afloat. Um, but you look at the pitching, I think Muller and Watt, Muller is pitching well, well, or a lot worse than what he should be doing. Milam is not a solid option. Um, Lyle's probably going to be a little better, but I don't see Darrell keeping that up. Wadsworth is probably pitching a little above his head. But it is a strong bullpen. I mean, that that much is for sure. I I don't see a single weak link at this bullpen. Uh, Washington has iffy movement. Wilkinson has iffy movement. Those aren't great at a a Great American Ballpark. Um, But Reagan is the real deal. Robles is the real deal. Uh, Wallace is looked fantastic. He hasn't given up a run in uh, in ten and two thirds innings. Um, so if, if he, if he can get it to the bullpen with a lead, I expect him to keep more leads than he loses. The issue is, can this starting rotation keep it up? And I don't think, I don't think they can. I, I'm a really, I really strong believer in pitching and defense. Like they go together because especially if he's going ground baller, like if I'm looking at, at Muller, he's a ground ball pitcher. Um, Wadsworth, he's neutral, but still more, everybody's pretty neutral here. But if you go in ground ball, his defense his defense is a little lacking right now. He's 10th in the East. Um, I think he's got some work to do on the defense side. 
but he's first in home runs at 28. Um, he's got uh, Dogerty hitting five, but Luciani, he's gone. He was at five. I really don't think it's going to be sustainable. I think that home run's going to start dropping a bit. And you I forget think... that he plays in the sweet, sweet confines of Grid American Life Ballpark, where they hit home runs at a rate one uh, 13.3% above the league average. True. I still don't believe it's going to be sustainable. I, mean, I, don't, I really don't. It, it's going to be interesting. I mean, he, he performed against some of the, the good teams. He, he put up a lot of runs against Miami. He swept Baltimore, uh, took two or three against Virginia. And Virginia has very has a very strong pitching staff. Put up, uh, well, um, in their three one win against Virginia, uh, Gomez went seven scoreless innings, struck out nine, only allowed four hits, lost it to the bullpen. And then in the six one win, they got Selena. So they didn't get the 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 best of the Virginia staff, but I mean they they have good wins. They they took two or three from Atlanta. Uh, I think that. Me, I personally believe that was a fluke. <laughs> I'm a strong believer in that, that Atlanta team because that's some strong guys in there. Um, I I just don't think Atlanta has been on, on point. Like they're, I can look at the runs against, uh, look at the home runs. They're not hitting as, as hard as they, they've done in the past. I just think Atlanta has started off a little rough, losing Gomez um, and then Meacham now. But I mean, as I still believe Atlanta might even hit second place. Because I, I do think Pittsburgh is, is is strong, but like that Pittsburgh score run scored one first place batting average first place stolen bases runs against first place starting ERA well that's a given just because they're pitching pitcher friendly park but and they're third in defensive efficiency I do think Pittsburgh just but they're all really close right they're one game back from, mm-hmm. from Cincinnati it's still really early to tell but I do think it, it's going to be Pittsburgh Atlanta and one two and I don't think Cincinnati is going to make it. I, I think it's going to be just looking at this Pittsburgh team. I think all three of us on the season preview pod picked Atlanta to to win the Atlantic. Pittsburgh didn't do anything, and maybe they just didn't need to. I mean, for, they they got Contreras, who's been the best hitter in baseball because he's an infernal now. Caleb Willoughby hasn't been hitting as well as he could be. Luis Vizcarando and Joey James are both pitching worse than they should be, and they're still sitting first in runs scored, first in runs against. They're uh, Pittsburgh. I think we're three weeks in. It's tough to jump to conclusions, but I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh goes on another hundred, hundred two win season. Atlanta is going to be close behind in second. It's going to be a race for the three that I think Baltimore and Cincy push for late. I think Baltimore pulls away late August, early, early September. Um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Cincy pushes for for eighty, eighty five wins. It really wouldn't. Um, and I think Philadelphia Trent is going to miss that that second round pick that's headed to Cincinnati. When when Trent sends pick two two ten to Cincinnati for pick two twenty or whatever it ends up being. Yeah, Trent's got a pretty good team. He's building a pretty nice team so far. I just don't think it's the powerhouse than the Atlantic. I don't think he'll be able to compete. But for this I, year, anyways. Pittsburgh window is open until further notice. Atlanta's window is open until further notice, which which sucks for these rebuilding teams because. It's tough to, to build that team overnight. It's tough to build a team that competes with Pittsburgh overnight because uh, I'm not looking at, at many aging pieces here in Pittsburgh. I'm looking at a lot of controllable guys. Willoughby's gone after this year, and that's it. Luis Contreras is a player option. Uh, Leo Berenger is a team option. 
that that team option probably gets declined if he gets if he keeps getting hurt. Contreras is probably going to opt out and probably not going to pick up the option on Cadena. So they're going to probably open up forty something million in cap space this offseason. season. But do you think that four man rotation is sustainable though for no. Pittsburgh? No, at some point in time, they're going to need to go to that fifth starter, whether that's uh, Woodburn or McBride. Um, I also don't think Ro- uh, Rolo keeps it up throughout this year. I really don't. He's been amazing against lefties, has two games with, with more than 10 Ks. But one of those came against Philly, one of those came against uh, Miami, not exactly the best offenses uh, in the Atlantic. Uh, and then you look at the ratings uh, against lefties. Again, he's lights out 80-65-45 for my scout. OSA has him 86-45, but then against righties, he's 65-45-40. So if you throw a righty-heavy lineup at Rolo, you're going to light him up for runs. Yeah. He's, I don't know, I'm really skeptical about that four-man rotation. I really think he's going to need that fifth because a lot of the, I've been actually more digging deep into the PAP. I don't know if you look at that, but like the stress of a pitcher. Mm-hmm. If he pitches over X amount of t- X amount of pitches, yeah, I think there's like five categories. I do think the stress level on these pitchers are gonna pitcher, pitchers are gonna go higher, and he's gonna start losing games. Like I, yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that fifth starter turns out to be someone like. Uh, J- it's probably gonna be Cussy. I mean, Cussy is probably gonna come back up. He just had uh, two, three, said five, uh, five rehab starts. He's probably up after the sim, and Cussy's probably gonna take over that fifth rotation spot. He had a three-two-three ERA last year in his rookie year before he got hurt. So, I don't think Jason's too worried about that. Uh, that fifth starter. But overall, uh, pretty good. So let's go back to uh, to your spot here. So you told me this was your only league that you're actually devoted to now. Yeah. What um, happened to I, all? Weren't you in like three or four leagues at one point? I was in three leagues at one point. This was not the first league I got into. I got into out of options baseball league. O O O O B L. Um, quit that after a little bit. That, that, that was a league that had an injury setting higher than this. So I've been in leagues with, with worse injuries. It was a league I was, I was a part of, but it wasn't active. How um, bad, how bad are injuries in, in that league? Were they worse than here? Oh, without a doubt. I was getting, I was having pitchers drop left and right. I was having position players drop left and right. Uh, the, the thing that I did like about that league is that I, I wanted to be in a, in a league that was a continuation of, it was a real life league. It was an MLB live league. I had, a. There are a couple of players now that I that I see, um, like pop up on the news. Uh, one one guy for me that that came out of nowhere. His name is David Zamora. You can look him up. He's a real guy. Came out of nowhere. He was a waiver pickup, and all of a sudden he was my starting third baseman for three years. So yeah, I remember guys like that, and it was it was a good league. Um, it, it just wasn't active enough. So that was the first league that I joined. Then I joined this league uh, about a week later, and when I just saw how active it was, I, I realized I missed that with a with OBL. I joined a third league a little later, which actually you were in, uh, Major League MLSB. Yes. Um, and that might have been one of the most poorly run leagues I've ever been a part of. I think you can you can attest to that. That just I can vouch. I can vouch. Yes. This is why I left too a couple seasons later. But yeah. I mean, the it commissioners was... just didn't have the time. They were bending the rules for themselves. They didn't care. It it just wasn't run well. Um, so I quit that after a commissioner did something I didn't like. So then I was down to two leagues, um, quit OBL after a little bit. So then Skyline was my only league. Um, Jason, Pittsburgh, Jason runs a league, um, that I check into, um, I'm decently active over in that league. Um, but it's, it's an every other day sim, so I don't need to check. I, I can check every other day on that. 
And it's also an OTP 20 league. So I have this in 19, I have that in 20. So at any given time, I could have both leagues open at once. Okay. Yeah, I have, I have the same. I kind of joined other leagues as well, but yeah. It's, but it, uh, it's nice having a league that I could probably name 15 of the 27 guys I have in double A. I mean, I, I, I immerse myself in this league and, and I feel like it pays off. Most definitely. You're, the, you're catching guys before as they grow and you can catch them before. Like, for instance, I'm going to bring back that trade, but Fonseca, Fonseca what, I forget his name again. Fonseca. Yeah. Man, you flipped that guy for from me like it was nothing. It's just... But that's the skill you once you embed yourself in learning the players how good they are and what's their what's their value, you can flip them for something. And to me, it might be been nothing, but you can flip them for something, and it's worth a lot more, especially if you embed yourself into the league um, at the level you do. It's you can for sure make some pretty good moves, and you have. It's your team is a representation of what you've been doing, um, and the time you spent, and your team's showing for it. Um, You've done a great job, especially in the nine years you've been here. This is your ninth season, I believe. Yes, I started in two thousand two, missed the playoffs that year. I think what seventy two and eighty four that year. Yes, seventy two and eighty four, and then ninety one wins each of the next two years. The dreadful, dreadful oh five season happened, where I was, I believe, three games up with two weeks to go, and did not make the playoffs. Yeah, what happened? Oh five, oh six. 05, I, I couldn't tell you what happened. 05, I had a position, I was a 92% lock to make the playoffs. And then I went three and three and nine down the stretch. Uh, 06, I'm looking back at that. I just fell off late. Um, wasn't the best team I've ever put together. Um, it was a good team, wasn't a great team. But I, I came back the next year with a roar. And uh, you Bet your bottom dollar we came at, came back in 08. And if you ask me, we should have been the Skyline champions in 2008. Oh, that uh, against Jason? Against Jason. That uh, game three, I believe it was? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bringing back memories. Um, but yeah, like I'm looking at your your team year over the – after the 2006 season, it just keeps – the RA keeps dropping. Even right now, you're posting a 2.8 – 2.84 in the 2010. You're just consistently getting better and better. Um, and not just that, it's it's with the implementation of the DH. You can see league-wide, the, the league area spiked in 2005. If you go to the league history index, it gives you the league average area and the league average, and the league average batting average. You can see from 2004 to 2005, there's a batting average spike, or excuse me, from 2003 to 2004, there's a batting average spike and an ERA spike. I believe that 2004 year was the implementation of the DH. You can see everything rise league-wide. Yeah. Um, no, sorry. That was – sorry, 2004 was the last year we didn't have DH. 2005 was the year we implemented the DH. You can definitely see that in the West. The league ERA in the West jumped from 417 to 464. And yeah, if and you it, look at it, what it is they, now. The East went a little bit. But, I mean, it's starting to drop a bit. Like, I, I feel like – yeah, it's still pretty high, actually. Um, which is um, why there have only been three teams over the last couple of years that have had that team ERA below four. Uh, the Pirates, the Angels, and the Braves. And I feel this is why a lot of teams are going pitching defense versus the... And they grab some hitters here and there, but I mean, 
the pitching defense because you got that DH who can just smash balls. I mean, like, that that I think that was the best move we made as a league. Again, uh, I know Michael is a is an NL guy. He likes the double switches. I, I I do too. I love the double switches. But until we have the ability to do that in game, it just makes everything easier to have the DH. I don't know. I'm was. I think I was four. I think I voted for the uh, sorry against the DH, just because I had pitchers that can hit. And mm-hmm. ever since we moved to the DH, I've I've lost. But I think that's on my own doing. But I mean, because at one point I just started selling. But I mean, yeah, like I started. I since we changed from uh, from non DH to DH, I've lost. I haven't made the playoffs since. But I've also made some. Do you think that's the reason? I don't think that's the sole reason because I actually skipped. I went away from from pitching, and I said, "Hey, I just need to throw some guys who can eat some innings." Um, and then I went straight to I need to get a, a superior offense, and then my offense just became sort of a 500 team. Uh, but my pitching just fell behind, so I'd never been able to hit 500. Because um, I believe, you know, you can still hit 500 and still make it in the third or fourth spot in the north, in the north, which is kind of what I was aiming for. But I feel like now um, it's being more pitching-wise. Pitching is the biggest thing right now, so that's where we're heading towards. And I think it's going to help, even with, like, even with the DH hitting. I still believe pitching is going to be the key. Keeping the ball down, making people not hit home runs, you'll be able to win. And I think that's – go ahead. The the thing with uh, the North is it's the Mets. And then for a couple years it was the Indians. And then for a couple years it was the Red Sox. And right now it looks like it's the Expos that are, that are the number two team there in the North. But it's always been a revolving door of, of who's that number two and number three. It hasn't been strong. Um, it, it's, been, it's been the Mets. And beyond that, pretty much all seven teams have pretty much had a chance. And, yeah, I do – I do believe that, and I, I think the the Expos have something here. They have they have some pretty good strong guys, and some of the even some of the older guys are starting to to buckle down and and do well. Um, I think he's he's got a shot. I really do. Uh, I, I'm, really like I'm a little off on the Cedric prediction. His OPS is down to t- uh, six twenty three after back to back O for four games. But you know, I I still think that OPS can reach eight fifty. I really really do. Call me stupid, about? but I think that uh, Sedgwick, yeah, uh, Jim Sedgwick, yeah. yeah. Call me oh. dumb, but I think he can get there. I don't know. He's. I feel like he's been slowly falling off. Slowly after that that 2008 season. Well, you said you said that, uh, he, in 2005 he had a he had a 7.15 OPS with Vegas, and he comes back the next year 8.80. Leaves for Chicago, has a bad first year, comes back the next year 8.84 OPS, has a bad first year in Montreal. Everything's lining up for for him to to continue that trend and have a solid second year uh, up in up in Canada, but maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong, and and he's getting paid ten million dollars to do absolutely nothing. That's maybe. probably it. But I'm really surprised with that Toronto team being nine and nine. I really was hoping a, a better start for them. How I think we've all said it for the last three or four years. How's this Toronto team not good? I'm. They're young. They can pitch. Um, yeah, they can pitch. They can hit. I'm not sure how their defense is looking like. They have, yeah, they have a good bullpen. Their starting ERA is really in the 13th spot right now. I did, uh, I'm not sure if they have any big injuries laying around. They um, got Sarmiento, Bakey, Manzo, 
And Sarmiento, Bakey, Manzo can all start in any rotation. Goyet's in the rotation because he's making $7.8 million and had four war, two and a half war last year. And then Lel is just a fifth guy that has 75 stamina. Um, but So Lel's probably the weak link there, but he's also the number five guy. But Pisano has been on fire to start the year. Adam Ernst is on fire to start the year. Um, second in batting average, ninth in on base percentage, fifth in home runs, and yet eighth in runs scored. But you got Haynes also, who's injured, who's coming back. So he's going to replace uh, Kevin Holan. And he's still got the the mashing Steve Warren, who needs to who needs to get more playing, who needs to step it up. He's got Keith Godwin, who's got a one thousand thirty eight OPS and seventeen games started. I mean, this is a quality this is a quality baseball team that that honestly might just be one starting pit one number five starting pitcher away. And not to mention they've got um, Jeremy Campbell and Mike Gebhardt coming up the ranks. Two top twenty OSA specs. And the and the crazy thing is I look at OSA like just rating wise, they're not the top team rating wise. It's San Diego, isn't it? No, uh, San Diego top team rating wise OSA. Yeah. I didn't even take a look at that. Yeah, San Diego by a whole bunch of points because they have the number one, number five, and number 21 spec in baseball. Although, I think we can all agree Gladney should not be the number one prospect in baseball. I think we can all agree on that. I don't know. I kind of like him. <laughs> I kind of like him. My scout loves him. I can't he's complain about 25, that. 25, the changeup's at 40, and he's not going to be able to throw more than 90 pitches in a game. But it's like... It, honestly, I just think he's on a on a team right now whose ball club is is not having a great time. Like, I think the whole club right now is in a bad spot. I think their team chemistry is very low right now, um, because I can see in the in the player front view that he's he's not happy where he's at, and I think that's affecting his his ability right now. He did really well in Triple A, and I just I. I just think he's not on the right team. That's all I think, and I think he'd be able to turn around on a per, on a good team. And is it? He was he was originally a uh, Los Angeles Angel. I, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't think. I'm just looking at OSA again. He's 25 years old. They still have that change of projected at 80. They have the curveball projected at 80. Stamina's 40. Controls currently 40. Projected at 50. And the 60 movement. So I think at this point, yeah, he started 30 games last year at a 3.5 ERA, but he still only had 2.7 WAR. Struck out less than eight guys per nine. Walked more than three and a half. So I, I think what you saw last year is probably what the best case scenario is for him and the pros. And for me, that's not a number one spec. I I agree. I agree. Maybe not number one, but I still think he has some quality going to him. I mean, definitely. I mean, he's he throws 97. At the worst, he's a he's a he's a solid reliever. He's what Akbar was. Hmm. I really think he's just not happy with the way teams are. The team is performing. Well, I don't think anyone in to... San Diego is happy with what's going on <laughs> in San Diego after they said after he put the entire the entire uh, Pacific on blast, and now they're sitting in the basement right now. Although they are playing us in this next sim, and for for some godforsaken reason, we have not figured out how to beat San Diego. I I would not be surprised if we got swept by San Diego this week. I would not be surprised. We would so be their slump, we would be their slump buster, and you're already going on a five game five game. We're already streak. on a five game lose streak, and we've got San Diego coming up. Like most teams would see San Diego and be like, "Yes, okay, can get at least probably one or two wins." 
I look at this and I think if this is anything like what's happened over the last year and a half, we're fucked. Yeah, because you're coming up against San Diego for three games and you're um, going back home to play against against Seattle. I mean, we've we've beaten Seattle already this year. We took we swept them. Uh, uh, outscored them eleven to two in a three game set. Yeah, but they're coming in hot right now with six wins. They are, but uh, who do they have? Who do they have before us? They've got the Dodgers, so maybe they've got Phillips and Michelson in games two and games three. So they'll they'll forget how to hit in those games, and then they'll come <laughs> in to us and play Totten Aguilar Bird, and they'll really forget how to hit. On the bright side, I don't actually. Now that I'm looking at this, I may have to face Alvarado. I don't like facing Alvarado. Then again, I don't think anyone likes facing Alvarado. Yeah, I, I don't. Think... Ha- I don't. I don't really have that problem. But yeah, no, no. But it, for you, it's ponds. Do you like facing ponds? You know, I, I did. I don't. But actually, we just faced ponds. Uh, the, the sim, and we did. We did really well. I think DJ DJ Farmer outbeat, outpitched ponds on that game. And then your bullpen blows it. Then my bullpen blows it. Yeah, that's that's a different story. But yeah. But we did really well against him. We matched him up in innings, as both we both had zero earned runs. Um, we did really well. It just my bullpen blew it. I think if Dustin checks his lineup tonight and realizes that that Aguilar will be good, will be healthy or not healthy, but uh, rested. I think I think the Saturday matchup may be Aguilar v Alvarado, Arturo v Arturo. That would be something interesting to see. I think it's happened a couple times, and I don't know if we've ever won that matchup. But, you know, we can we can hope. I mean, it's just not fun to go up against a guy that's going to strike you out and not give up the home run. So other than your team, who do you think is going to win this year? Now that we're a couple weeks in? Now that we're a couple weeks in, um, that Milwaukee team just – I don't know what Andrew feeds his guys, but – this is usually not a team that that hits, but then they go out and get Schumacher. They go out. I don't even. They get Van Sant. They have Fricktel. They have Pruitt. They have Carson. And you want to talk about a team that doesn't really have a hole? I mean, yeah, you could point at Lara, but he's a defensive monster there. I could point at uh, Guajardo, but he's a monster on the plate. Seventy-five catcher arm and won the Silver Slugger last year at catcher. And then they finally shored up their shortstop issues with, with Santiago, who's got 60 range, 80 arm, maybe not the best option, but if all goes well, he just puts in Clement. So, I mean, you want to talk about a team that doesn't have holes? Maybe the bullpen. Sergio Moreno's their closer, not not great. Um, but Deshaun Bethay is is in the bullpen. Amari Bicos is in the bullpen. Um, I mean, you get him you get him a, a closer, and I don't think there's a there's anyone better than Milwaukee uh in in the central, um, the, they're also paying Doug Carey twenty two point seven million this year. So just think about that. Like he picked and up Dave Carter off the trash heap. Although he's also paying him fourteen a year, but I I'm a Dave Carter guy. Mind you, he was also a former Angel. I gave him I gave him away for for essentially nothing. Um, the thirty movement isn't great uh, in Miller Park, especially they they give up the home run at eleven point four percent above the the league average, but. High stuff guy, high control guy. He's gonna strike you out. He's not gonna walk you. If he can keep the ball in the ballpark, he's he's a he's a great pitcher. I mean, and Juan Ramos is still Juan Ramos. He may be thirty six years old. He may be turning thirty seven in August. He's still Juan Ramos. Stefan Williamson is gonna be the next great Milwaukee ace. Uh, Dave Carter's a fantastic number three. Sean Lowe 
Sean Lowe, my scout, raves. My scout raves about Sean Lowe about as much as OSA does. Um, you know, yes. I have I have a high sorry, I have high favoring tool uh, scout, and he's he's he finds that uh, Sean Lowe is only a fifty five. I mean, it's interesting. We uh, my scout agrees with OSA. I mean, he's not he he's a control guy. He he reminds me a lot of Nate Totten. That 70-75 control, that 60-65 stuff with the average movement. Um, I mean, that that's a that's nearly a carbon copy of Nate Totten. And if you can get Nate Totten as, as what, is number four right now, you're, you're in a good spot. But, I mean, that lineup, I mean, I don't see a hole in that lineup, especially if Lara keeps hitting. I mean, he's got, he's got OSA 60 home run power and 45 contact. He can play anywhere on the diamond. I mean, you want to talk about the perfect platoon guy, the perfect number eight hitter in center field? And then Guajardo is not going to strike out. I mean, he's not going to. It's probably not going to OPS 789 again. But yes, uh, get a, probably a 700 OPS from a catcher. I'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, he does get. Like I'm looking at the second baseman, Kevin. Uh, Kevin Frilch. I think that's how you spell it. <laughs> I I pronounce, <laughs> or it, pronounce frictal, it. Or frictal. I also think that's a complete butchery. But I mean, like, the injury is. Oh, he he's not going to stay healthy. That that's that was what worried me. The other thing that worries me is that Van uh, Van Santen, only twenty six, but my scout shows some signs of decline. I think OSA does too. So something to keep an eye on there. Van Santen is he's owed sixty three million over these next couple of years. My my scout says it's straight straight inclining. Man, he's doing it's getting better and better. <laughs> that's uh, interesting because OSA has had that has had that contact drop ten points over the last three months five months so osa has him dropping my scout has him as of april 1st increasing that's incredible so he's up 55 sorry he stays steady at 55 and then they have the perfect they have the perfect leadoff guy in ben carson who's going to get on base he's not going to strike out and he's going to steal 50 bases he's he's the one that got away then again i also don't think he would have survived in california would love to have him at third base right now that's for that's for sure Oh, you still? I think you have a decent third base. Like I, I think I was, I had it down in my notes there, but uh, of your third baseman, I'm just trying to get back to your team here. It's an, it's an Earwood Osborne um, platoon, but Earwood, Earwood gets the majority of the bats. He's probably going to start 130 games. Um, just had a great week. Yeah, we had that conversation. Yeah, so mm-hmm. like his, I was really, wasn't really happy about his his fielding. Like he was doing good. Yeah, I mean, I threw I, when I threw him into the fire at third base last year, he had played two innings, or he had played, I think, two innings of third base in his career. Um, that was it. So I threw him into the fire right off the bat, mid-year, because um, I traded for, when I got Cressman, that, that filled my shortstop gap, because I had Earwood at uh, shortstop. Short, yeah. Because it was a necessity. I didn't have anyone else that could play shortstop, so... Pimentel, I believe, was the other third baseman. And against righties, I needed Earwood in the lineup, just one way or the other. So he was who it was against uh, against righties. So I just kind of threw him in the fire. I, th- I thought he had the ratings. Um, he's, a, he's above average in each aspect. I've got him a little better than OSA defensively. Um, pretty much all the same, but 55 air instead of 50. So he can play third base, um, but mind you, throwing him into the fire probably wasn't the best idea. Um, but this year I gave him a spring training, and he's got a plus .2 zone rating this year. So I'm not too worried about that. 
And if I need a defensive replacement, I have Mark Osborne behind him. So there's that too. Yeah, Osborne. Yeah, he's he's a defensive. Like he can he can pretty much cover any base in the inf- any place in the infield. So. Yeah. And I don't mind starting him against lefties if if Earwood starts to to crap the fan again because he's got very good splits against lefties. Yeah, plus you got a good DH too. Yeah, you got a solid team, man. Like, I really think you're going to be the first in your school in in your division. I really do think maybe this year you have a shot. Uh, Milwaukee's going to be a fight. Milwaukee's going to uh, be a fight. Seattle's going to be a fight. It's it's going to be a fight to get through the Pacific, like it always is. Yeah, because I really like that Chicago Cubs. They have a, a solid team. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a it's going to be a nice battle. I think in the Pacific. I think in the Pacific, I think the Dodgers are going to. It's the Athletics, you Dodgers, and Mariners fighting it out. I'm not sure about San Francisco, the Giants. I'm not sure about them. I do. I thought Arizona would have a chance, but they're pitching kind of lackluster. Um. Yeah, I really do think that uh, you might still come out in first, fighting against Seattle. But hopefully, I do see a ring on that for that team there. It'd be nice to see. Um, I still want Minnesota to win though, but I don't know if I'll ever get there anytime soon. Uh, but yes, and it'll take uh, it'll take beating the uh, the mighty mighty Mets. I think we just need to get there first in the top three, and then go from there. Um, but yeah. Just getting there first, kind of the, the struggle. So, I mean, but these last two years, I mean, we we finished first in the we finished first in the Pacific. The Angels finished first in the Pacific in eighty two, eighty four, ninety five, and then a thirteen year gap uh, without uh, without finishing first. Made the playoffs a couple times in there. Um, made the playoffs oh one, oh three, oh four. Um, but it was it was nice to to get that monkey off my back because every time I had made the playoffs, uh, 03, 04, and 07, we had to go through the wild card round. 03, 04, um, 03, we beat Michael barely. I remember turning off Twitch as we were down two in the bottom of the eighth in game five, just thinking, okay, it's over. And then we somehow pulled that out. Um, 04, we played the most possible games. Every series went the distance. And then 07, I think we lost in four uh, to Seattle. But it was just, it's really nice getting that by in 08. And it was a, it was nice getting it again last year, even though we got swept by the Dodgers. Do you think this year you're going to get 90 wins again, 90 plus? I do, yes. I Again, I said it on the season preview pod. I sounded like a dick then. I'm going to sound like a dick now. <laughs> I think I have the best roster in baseball. I don't think the pitching, I don't think anyone can match up with the pitching staff. I think what we just saw from De La Cruz in his last outing against Oakland is the worst it's going to get. Five innings, six earned, three home runs given up, three Ks, nine hits allowed. I don't think he has a start worse than that, and if it is, it's going to be barely worse than that. I'm going to get 35 starts out of Aguilar. I'm going to probably get 30-plus starts out of De La Cruz, Bird, and Totten. Scruggs is my number five. I mean, I don't think you can point to another team that, that can say that, hey, I have an OSA 65 overall as my number five starter. And not just because he's number five in the lineup, but because he's the fifth best pitcher on the team. He's, um, you know, I already inquired about him, so I can't. <laughs> no, you definitely did. And you were not the only one. And there were many teams. And I set my price high. And I had a couple teams that were willing to pay that price. Um, but when Escobedo got hurt, I just didn't want to take the chance of, of not having a reliable number five. 
how sad this this may sound your number five it will probably be my number one my number one and two behind dj hoover but i don't think that's i i don't think that's <laughs> just you i honestly think you could point to half the teams in the league and say okay scrubs would probably be the number one on this on this pitching staff if not the number two it's yeah that's it's pretty remarkable i there's some good trades in there there's some good pickups yeah man you did a really good job like your team i think you'll be able to sustain it for a couple more years if the prices get too heavy but you can probably flip them for better pieces and grow again like that's just yeah uh, i think yeah. my last before noel i think my last real fleece was milwaukee and milwaukee stopped tra- stopped trading with me for a little bit after i after i sent him cavaness <laughs> Send him uh, Cavaness and, and two other pieces for Junt, who ended up being my closer for a couple of years, and Elizondo, who when I got him immediately fell off a cliff, and I then sent to Cincinnati, er, uh, Cal, uh, Kansas City, for Pushak. Is no- is Noyola your biggest fleece? Yes. I yes. <laughs> when I'll say this when Plain I traded simple, for yes. him. When I traded for him in 04, my scout had him as a 50 potential. So I honestly did not view him as a top 20 spec. I'm sure a lot of people did OSA had him 70 potential, and we see where he is now. But when I traded for Noyola, I wasn't looking at OSA. I was looking at what Jerry told me. Jerry told me he was a 50 potential. So at the moment, I didn't think it was that bad. For Landrum, sure. Landrum is the definition of wrecked. Um, in fact, when he went to Baltimore, when he signed with when he signed that extension with Baltimore, I think it was a between 2006 and 2007, I meant, uh, yeah. So we got traded from Cincinnati to Baltimore in 2006. Ended up not getting hurt with Baltimore during that stretch in 2006. Don't understand how. Became a free agent, signed a three-year deal with Baltimore. When he signed that deal with Baltimore, I messaged JP and said, he is not going to play 150 games for you. He played 37. He played it, 10 more games in a Baltimore uniform after signing that extension. Uh, so heartbreaking, especially when you go trade for a guy and you really want him to succeed and he just ends up failing for you. I mean, not just that, but like everyone knows how injured he is. And I was like, oh, he'll be fine. And then, I mean, that, that is the definition of a scroll guy. When I think Squirrel Guy, I just think Alvin Landrum because it's just sad. I think it takes – I think it's three full pages worth of injuries. I'm going through his uh, his injury sheet right now. <laughs> it's uh, pretty, pretty, pretty long. I mean, it's just sad. This is a body that's just broken down. You better hope he has good health insurance. Like, even his development, like, just drops. He is, he's, has 12 years of Major League service, has played 919 games. So 919 is, if I can get my, my handy-dandy calculator out, that is just short of six, just short of six Major League seasons. So based on his service time, he has spent more time on the DL than on the active roster. That's, but he's been like declining since 2003. And not just that, 1998, he played 154 games. He played two games short of a full season in 1998. 
So you take that out of the equation. 11 and a half years of Major League Service. Just short of five full seasons played. Unreal. It's, yeah. No, it's, he's he's 20 all over. But he's played since, yeah. He's, he fell off a cliff. Well, that's so, what happens when you can't stay healthy. He had I mean, one yeah, good season he, with Cincy, yeah. Yeah, he, he, uh, he had the year since he wanted when he got him. Played 115 games, had three war. That was arguably the, the second best season of his career. And, but um, he was he was showing signs of injury since '99. Yeah. When I tra- when I traded for him, I didn't look at the injury history. After I traded for Landrum, I learned to look at injury history. Like s- serious signs in '99. 2000 was an okay year, but then it just fell off. 2002, 2003, he was gone for ten months. Yep he he tore that but, uh that I think he tore that PC on the first game of spring training. Yeah, and I think this is what happened. Like in 2003, in August, the report came out and everything decreased. Everything decreased. His, yeah, everything. And he came back in 2004, had some increases there. But 2004 again, some big decreases again. I think it's due to injury. Yeah, because he went one week, one week, six weeks, a couple moderates. Yeah. You know, I never look at injury like injury reports. I never do. That's only when you guys started talking about it on podcast that I started saying, "Hey, maybe this is something I should start considering." I mean, yeah, a guy can be good, but if someone's going to play eighty games for you, how good can he be? It's yeah, no, I never even considered it in the past. I would just look at. I was huge ratings guy. I was all about ratings. Like I think when, uh, even when uh, Atlanta came up to me and said, "Hey." Offer me uh, when he came up for Flannelly. Um, that's basically, I was like, no, my rate, I like the ratings. I'm hanging out the ratings. He was offering me a couple pieces that were, that were good. Just the rating on my side, I didn't see them. They were like, for me, they were maybe 40 overall, uh, 40 potential, sorry. And, but to OSA, they were trending at 70 or 60. And I said, no, just because rating wise, I wasn't too keen since I was going straight for my scout. See what he sees, but yeah, I never even considered uh, injury until you guys start talking about it. You you gotta you gotta trust your scout. That that's for sure. But what I've learned, at least with the draft, is to trust OSA just a bit. Because if you if if you look at in at those in the in that five to nine range, that that's where it really rears its head. Is that your scout sees these sixty potential guys that no one else sees? It's like your scout sees the sixty potential guy that OSA has twenty thirty. Like oh, this is a. St- Steel. This is an absolute steal. How is no one else seeing this? And then there's a reason no one else is seeing it. Um, so I've I've kind of learned to to trust OSA when it when it comes to the draft. And I'll when I'll I'll look at who OSA likes, and then out of who they like, then I'll look at my scout and use my scout as as the second opinion, as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, and I think we talked about that earlier in the week. I like I drafted. I think I have a. I think it's Meacham, I believe his name is. I forgot. He's he was when I drafted him. Uh, he was a young guy, eighteen, I believe. Um, yeah, he was for me. He was an eighty, eighty right off the top. Now, ever since he went from my rookie league, now he's I think he's paying minor A. Um, yeah, he's like a fifty. 
so fell fell right down and i i think it's because i trusted my scout a little too much never really did osa um now it's the other way around i look at osa probably a little heavier in in the beginning rounds and i believe you do too like you're pretty heavy on the on the osa at the beginning you still want to compare it to your scout i believe yeah, I mean, um, at that, at that, in in those first two or three rounds, I think I'll lean to my scout a bit. Once we get past that, I'm looking at OSA. What does OSA have to say? Do, yeah, I mean, Ketchum's not bad by any stretch. I mean, he had a great year at rookie plus. Um, but yeah, he's been. I don't think he's just been your scout. I think he's also been a decline from OSA and and also from from my scout. So I think it's just been a matter of maybe he's just not not as good as everyone thought he was at first. Yeah, I've done some pretty bad picks as of late, but yeah. Uh, but I mean, I've been trusting my scout, and he's very heavy on the tool side. So, and I think that's why I, I've been going more OSA this year. I mean, the the heavy favor tools guys are gonna find are gonna find more busts, but they're also gonna find more superstars. That's the thing with those with those tools when those with those tools guys. They're looking for the guys that have the tools, not the guys that that perform. So when they find the guy with the tools that can then perform, they have everything going for them. But if they just look like the prototype and can't do anything, then they're just going to burn out at, like, another great athlete. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it's interesting to see. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy. I don't have any other questions for you. I think we covered a lot of stuff. Um, I believe in your strategy. Um, still sticking to the same eye and home run. Gotta so live, gotta live the, I mean, yeah, I, I, I've sort of moved away from that. I, you saw that at its peak, I think, when I made my run in 04 to lose to Baltimore. You look at that team, there was a lot of, there was a lot of that. There was, who might be now my favorite player in Sky, even despite everything, um, Juan Salcido, Saucy. Saucy's my guy. Saucy, yes. Um... Prashak is that is that eye guy. Rab is a is a power eye guy. Her go not as much, um, but he was that power guy. I like the dinger. If I was playing in a ballpark like Milwaukee, I would have every guy in my lineup that has 60, 60 power. Wouldn't be close. Yeah, I'm taking a look at your lineup back in 04. I don't think I'll be able to see it, but yeah. I mean, just looking at at who. Let's see. Go to batting starters or starters position on the no four. It was Pimentel, Rab, fucking Joe Richards. I mean, yeah, a forty contact, fifty five power, seventy eye guy. Dan Moots, Vince Logsdon, Hergo, and Landrum. I mean, those are all guys that can hit for power and can walk. Yeah, you had some. I'm looking at catcher like Zaragoza. I mean, he wasn't uh, yeah. bad by any stretch. I mean, he, he had a 319 OPS or uh, 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 on base percentage. I mean, he, he wasn't good, but he got the job done. Uh, and then I had Kevin uh, Kevin Miles the the next year again, someone a catcher that can hit for pop and and can walk a bit. And we see that Landrum again. <laughs> yeah, Landrum. Uh... But yeah, you had Rab. Rab was a really good pickup. That, I, think, I mean, that's that's another one that that was a if was a borderline fleece, um, because you can talk to Amin about this. I sent two pitchers and a ninth round draft pick because he originally was not going to resign with with uh, Toronto. 
He was out for that entire year with post concussion syndrome. He was he wasn't going to resign. I sent uh, Amin, who was with Toronto. Uh, I sent Amin after he'd just come over from Baltimore. Um, a pitcher that he had liked when he was in Baltimore didn't like as much when he was in Toronto. But I sent him. I sent salary filler, and I sent a ninth round draft pick for Rab. I got Rab to resign. He came back for the playoffs. Then he, I think he's now near the top, if not the leader, in a whole bunch of rate stats for the Angels. I'm just looking at our career leaders. He is fourth in batting average, first in on-base percentage, third in slugging, second in OPS. And he's got a lot of awards. Like, I'm just looking at all his awards right now. I mean, a lot of those were in Montreal. 2001-2002 uh, were, were some of the best years he's seen, but he was an all-star with me in 05, uh, was the platinum stick winner in 05, um, and was a regional championship series MVP for me in 04. So he had good years in, in California. Um, got hurt there in 06, but... He was yeah. consistent. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, he was uh, ranked 7 in 2007 for OBP for you. He did really well for you. A lot of it is Montreal, though, in 2001-2002. But like he said, a career high in home runs in 05 uh, with us. Uh, slugged 500. I mean, he was... Is I don't have a lot of homegrown guys, which I don't really like. I mean, I've got Tipsword... Tipsword, uh, Bird are homegrown. Aguilar and Tot and I inherited. Um, Graham was a draft pick. Rivera was an IAFA. Um, and Noyola was a trade when he was young. But other than that, uh, Riley was a trade. Kim was a trade. Allison was a trade. Cressman was a trade. Earwood was a trade. Osborne was a trade. Marache was a trade. Andrade was a trade. Vines was a trade. Um, Garza was a signing. Galindo was a trade. Forrestal was a trade. Clough was a waiver pickup. I mean, it's just a lot of trades. I think I've at this point I've made close to 120. You've made yeah, like I was just about to ask you how many trades have you done? I've got to be close to 120. And you're sitting at what 12 at this point? I think now I've I've hit about 13, 12 or 13. And a couple of those have been with me. Yeah, it's just a little little minor change. But a lot of those guys like I trade like the triple a or quadruple a you guys want to mm. call it but yeah those are you know i don't i if my lineup is secure i don't value them as much um so like i'm gonna go back to the Fonseca. fonseca it's i didn't value him as much anymore he played yeah. one season for me and then he was back up i mean he can't and, play against lefties he's due for arbitration next year i mean it, it makes sense you you, you shaved off five hundred thousand this year in whatever he's going to make an arbitration next year without having to non-tender him and it's the same thing I did for when I just picked up uh, uh, Horner. Yeah, Horner. I did the same thing uh, with Knutson. Um and then uh, Flor- Flores. I didn't even know he was in part of my AAA. <laughs> he asked for him, and I said, "Hey, you know, what? take him. It's yours." I already have. Uh, yeah, I already have Reese in first base, and I just picked up another one today uh, in the draft. So, I said, "Hey." Isn't Reese, isn't Reese just boarding a plane to California? Or is that just uh, fake news? That is that is definitely fake news. Darn. That is definitely fake news. Hopefully he can post up some good war. His war number has dropped from last recent years. But right now he's not projected to do too hot. So. One last thing I want to say before we end this. Yeah. It's something that everyone knows I like to trade. I like that big fish. I may or may not be looking for another big piece. I'm saying this on the podcast. I'm saying this right now. In-game, April 26, 2010. 
Juan Aguilar is a non-starter for all trade talks. Just going to throw that out there. Center fielder Juan Aguilar will be making his sky debut as a California Angel. Whenever that is, it will be as a California Angel. You're, you're setting it right now. That's what you're doing. Setting it right now. I've <laughs> said it in trade talks whenever anyone's asked about him. Um, when it, no matter what big name I've inquired about, um, when Juan Aguilar's name has come up, I have said no. Juan Aguilar is a non-starter. Hmm. Wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> All right. Man, it's one thirty in the morning already. Yeah. I, I, I like talking about my team. It's fun for me. <laughs> you don't get to talk about your team much. It's, it's always People don't like it people. when I do that because usually it's not asked for and I get called a dick or whatever. But, yeah. But, I mean, it also helps you reflect on your own team, right? Like when you get asked questions, you see how other people view your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to reflect on, on future changes or anything like that. I think it's healthy as well because you ask yourself those questions. You start looking not only at your team, but you start looking at different aspects and different teams. and. I know it puts yourself in a in a good in a good position, especially when you you talk about your team. Like there's some stuff that we will notice and that you don't, or vice versa. There's stuff that you'll that you notice and that we don't. And it's uh, I don't know. I think it's healthy. I think it's good. And I'm sure there are definitely things going on in the Minnesota system that that you've kept your eye on that none of us know what's going on. That that you you'll have something pop up like Albertson. Albertson he had three war back in 2008 and A plus. I remember that before he was. Protected on your forty man, he was on my, um, he was on my short list for the rule five. Um, but I'm sure you knew you had a plan for him, and he's not someone that really jumped out to anyone, especially because you had Greg Griffin there at shortstop. Yeah, so I made the decision. That's why I, I, I was training, I was training Albertson last year in, at second base because I was debating between both. Um, but he's just a way better shortstop. I need somebody who's strong at shortstop, who's got the range, who's got everything um, at short, a shortstop to hold it down. And I think uh, Griffin moving over to second base was the key, the piece I was missing. And you know what? You know what gave me that thought was that last podcast you guys were talking. With Rocky uh, Graves and the Hemi Robinson? Yeah, you guys were talking about a team. No, there was another team on the, on the, uh, I think I believe it was, was it Milwaukee? No. I think I th- it might be Milwaukee. It might have been the Cardinals, where they've got they still have. Robinson it was the Cardinals. Short- yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was Robinson the Cardinals. and Graves. Graves, who should be at shortstop, who's not, and Robinson, who should be at second base, who's not. And just with that podcast itself, I said, you know what? Let me take a look at my team, see how it looks at shortstop and second base. Your best infield defender should be at shortstop. And. That's the move I made. That's the only switch I made, and my defensive efficiency went up to now. I'm like, for, I think I believe I'm first in, yeah, I'm first on the east side. So I mean, Albertson I'm, is Albertson is good for two WAR before he steps on the field, and I think or I did before he picks up a bat. Yes, and his batting is okay. Like right now, he's he's going cold, but he started off pretty solid, but now he's he's going back cold. But I mean, yeah, I did, never valued that as much as I do now. Uh, this is like we had that conversation. I told you. I said now I'm going straight. I'm big heavy on defense. Like, but I took a hit in my in my offensive by losing. Like I I traded Juan Robles um, for the same reason. I went uh, Valenciano. I wanted the defense. I said, you know what? I'll 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 suffer the hitting for the defense. And 
it's just I went straight that route, and I I think it's helped me because most of my pitchers are ground ball ground ballers. And if you ever need to know just how important defense is, look at Matt Angel last year, shortstop from Montreal, OPS of five fifty, and uh, had four hundred plate appearances, still nearly had one WAR, and he was he was had he had an OPS plus of forty eight. <laughs> And he still had one war because he was plus 17 at shortstop. And I think that's what, and that's a game changer. That changes a lot of things. Like it's, I feel defense is, I, well, for me, I never viewed it as much. Now I do. But yeah, that, the defense changes a lot, especially like, I believe his game at shortstop changed. His ERA goes down. People are making less errors. Um, it's just helping the overall team get some outs. It took three years for me to understand the importance of defense. If if any of y'all remember just 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 who I was, just remember the name Pete Lee. I played him. At I've sh- seen, yeah, I've, I remember that name actually. I played him at shortstop in two thousand two for seventy two games when he had no reason to be playing at shortstop with fifty range. He was minus six in seventy three games. Um, that two thousand three season. 851 OPS, 3.3 war. Freaking Pete Lee of all guys. Um, and then I had Dan Moots there. Who I'll say this. Dan Moots is one of my favorite guys ever. If you want to know why, just take you go to his ratings and just look at those defensive ratings. He was my super utility guy for four years. 04, 05, 06, 07. He was my super utility guy. Play him anywhere I wanted. Did not need to worry about defense. I was actually I th- I was looking at that recently. Um, there's a guy in our draft pick called Smoots, and so I had to like double check on Moots and him. Just I thought it was his son. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'll just pick him for nostalgia purpose. But no, I was wrong on the last names. I there's if if there's a guy that I wish was better than he was, it was Dan Moots. Because I think at one point he was like a 55 potential shortstop. I think he had like 50 contact, 50 power, which was just enough for me. Like he was exactly what I was looking for in a utility player. And if if I could have just made him better, I would have. There are a couple guys like that. Moots, Salcedo. If I could have gotten Salcedo to hit 250 instead of 220, he'd still be an angel right now. In fact, right now he's a he's an Astro. And is uh, no making six million this year. Who knows? Maybe he becomes a, a waiver pickup. Who is this? Juan Salcido, saucy. Salcido, saucy. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that oh he had he played forty three games for me in two thousand four. Started twenty of them. Had just over hundred at bats and had one and, and had a full WAR. And he was he was my starting DH there in in oh five and oh six. He had two plus WAR each of those years. Uh, OPS above 835, had 24 plus home runs, walked 80 plus times. Um, he was exactly he was exactly the type of player I wanted. And if you look at his his ratings right now against righties, it's very similar to what he was when I had him. He's not going to hit for contact, but he's going to hit doubles. He's going to hit home runs. He's going to walk. That's that's what I look for in a player. And based on that, can you guess who my favorite baseball player is in real life? No, shoot, tell me. Joey Gallo. Oh, yes. He's he's an eye guy, isn't he? 
He's an eye guy, he's a dinger guy, he's a strikeout guy, and he is knocking it for contact. He's a very, yeah, he's a very big eye guy. Big power, big eye. He reached 100 home runs before he reached 100 singles. (laughs) I think every OOTP starter file has Joey Gallo at 75 or 80. Aye. Mm -hmm. And uh, in Perfect Team, for those of you who play Perfect Team, he has... His live card in 20 has 85 power and 70 I. I just started on the 20, the perfect team. On the we're, 20. We're, we're sitting in the Diamond League right now. Joey Gallo is the starting right fielder. Just mashed 32 taters for us this past year. <laughs> and those of you that follow me on Reddit know that uh, Adalberto Mondesi had a very, very solid year. He just he stole 100 bases this year for us. Yeah, I think that was just discovered recently. Somebody... Uh... So they uh, saw you on Reddit? Yep, uh, since he met. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I actually went to go look. At, when I saw the message, I'm like, hey, I'll go check it out. And it's, it's pretty – it's easy to determine that was you. Yeah. <laughs> I think your, your, your name t- says it all, so. A little bit, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's uh, – I think this year will be interesting. I hope to see some newer names at the top um, this year in our league. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's been it's been kind of static. I mean, the central. God knows what's going on in the central. Um, I'm just waiting for for Matt to break through in Kansas City and finally make the playoffs. The Atlantic, it's it's the same four teams, same three teams. The North, the North is where it's at. It's it's the Mets and then whoever the fuck comes in after them. And you know what? That's and I really think that's just because of Pons, like Pons, and he has a couple other other spec pitchers there. But I mean. Pons has been keeping it together. He's the, I think the last three years, hitting wasn't really there. It's no, really just I pitching. I believe he was 13th in, in runs last year, 11th or something like that. And he just posted in um, Slack. But Juan Guerrero, the right fielder, who I completely bashed all of the Skyline series last year, for good reason, I might add, um, has reached base safely in each of the first 18 games for the Mets. Wow. All of that. Oh, he's got an 18-game hitting streak right now. 19, reaching back to going back to last year. So he went really quiet for the playoffs, but comes Just out swinging. Come back and he's slashing 347, 410, 627 with five home runs. Because yeah, why his, not? His offense. Yeah, his offense is actually good this year. <laughs> and which is uh, not what he needs, but you know, the yeah. rich just get richer. That's that's the name of the game. And seventh and runs against the starters ERA of four three eight. Um, he's got a strong one. He's got Pons. He's got Levin, who's a decent number two. He's got an eight oh six ERA this year, which is ugly. Johnny Downey, who's currently a borderline starter. That changeup that changeup keeps coming in. He's got a he's got a true number two. And then Millet, Guerrero, Bedway, they're all just going to be more Mets pitchers that come right through the system. But even, like, Pons is in the third spot, which I, is surprising. I think it, when it comes time, he'll be the number one. I don't know exactly why that is, um, but I'm sure. Uh, he, he runs strict order, so it doesn't really matter anyway. Do you think that's tactic? I think it's a matter of when the season started. Uh, you needed the number three pitcher to go first, so he just threw Pons there instead of changing things else. Hmm. Um, but, I mean, he runs a strict order anyway, so I don't really think it matters. Do you look at that when you face people, when you face different teams? Do you take a look um, at I will. Um, I'll take, like, 
uh, if I look at my seven-day lineup, like Matt Price is projected to go for Seattle, but I also see that Arturo Alvarado is on full rest, so my guess is that he goes today, and then he'll be on full rest for the matchup on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I, I do I do somewhat look at that. Maybe I'll have to start looking at that now. <laughs> I never look at that. I just kind of let it let it slide, let it go. I mean, I also run seven-day lineup, so I also want to make sure that, okay, I'm throwing a lineup against there that's supposed to be against a lefty. Is it, in fact, going to be a lefty that's on the mound? You don't find it glitchy at all? Like, I, sometimes I find it glitchy, so I don't really use I it. I click autofill all lineups. I make slight moves with the pitchers, and then I'll make slight substitutions. But no, I, I don't find it glitchy at all. And in other leagues, I really found it glitchy when it came to the playoff times, but yeah. I am happy though that I did find uh, I did find a way to use the uh, the starter and uh, the follower and opener uh, in the uh, opener yeah twenty yeah. So how does that work? How does so how I just leave out? that slot open for whoever's supposed to pitch, um, and then it recognizes who the the follower should be, throws an opener in there, and then has the follower coming after. Okay. It'd be interesting to see. Like I. I who do you think in the, in our league is going to be using the opener? Um, Boston David for sure, without a doubt. Guarantee you, I guarantee you that when we switch to twenty, David will be using the opener. I could see the White Sox using it. Um, there are probably another, a couple other teams that that think about it. Um, I may use it for my fourth or fifth starter if it's not a Scruggs type. If it if it's I I use in the league that I use the opener in. I use it when the the number four when the pitcher itself is not someone that I want facing the meat of the order. Someone that's a, a low stuff guy, maybe higher control but medium movement. So like someone for you that I would use as a follower is uh uh cattle uh, uh, Famo. I would use him as a follower. I would use Farmer as a follower and open with someone like Tapia, who's a strong stuff guy. Might walk a couple yes. guys, but He's a high stuff guy, and he's going to get those first couple guys out. Yeah, I'm really surprised with Carol Fomo, actually. I didn't expect him to do so well coming in. Um, but yeah, he's been uh, that that uh, 216 Babbitt right now. Yeah, I I did not expect that at all. I was hoping I was expecting him to do a little bit worse, but um, just because his control is pretty low. So the only reason why he's still in my lineup really because I like the captain trait. Mm-hmm. You got. The two captains to uh, to uh, x out the the two selfish. Yeah, like my whole I think my team chemistry. If I look at that, yeah, because I got I picked up Brett Judd and I got Valenciano. I think those are the two added. And now I just picked up Horner, which is outspoken, kind of on negative side. But I got a pretty good solid two captains, tons of leaders. Um, I don't know what's happening with Greg Williams. I feel I like have, he's falling off. I have a captain, two leaders. One leader that is currently hurt, one disruptive, four selfish, and my third string catcher is also selfish. So it's uh, it's interesting. But I mean, I'm a if big we're belief- winning. If we're winning, I don't care. And that's the thing, right? Like, and I I feel like the more people you have, um, like let's say I would add a captain to my team, just like Michael did. You add a captain, your team your team gets streaky all of a sudden. And you saw it happen in another league in MLSB, where I was where I was Texas. Mm-hmm. I added a captain and I just became streaky, and ended up all going all the way up to the World Series and losing. 
And I feel like it's the same thing. And I think OOTP is built for that, right? It's like team chemistry. Um, you add a you add a special piece, and we see it also when we add like a, a coach or a scout, or sorry, a, a manager. Like I added a manager, two sims. I was going ten and one, or whatever. Or not. It was, maybe, it was eleven uh, and one. Maybe we've already thrown out feelers for something like that. Who knows? So we're, we're just... never we're never sitting still in California. We have we're all we have always got something up our sleeve. But I think that's and that could be part of the game as well. Like the more you change players, and you for sure you change some of the people that have more popularity and stuff like that, which might make your team more susceptible to winning. In that sense, but I mean, you have a solid squad, so I can't even make and that for, assumption. And for all the trades we've made, a, 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 I'd say a decent portion of those are, are draft picks for for a fringe guy, or minor leaguer for minor leaguer. Like the one of the trades we made, the it was I think it was Jared Myers for Ben Wolford. Um, yep. Wolford's still sitting in your AAA, I believe. Myers is sitting in yes, he's on the forty man, but he's also twenty seven and sitting in the White Sox AAA team. Yeah, so got, it, it seems flipped, like that. Right? I. I very rarely, uh, yeah, I flipped him for a supplemental five, I think. Um, but again, it's it's. I think the last big shakeup move that I made to my team was her go in 04, where I traded three three major league pieces. I think that was it. Like I'm not usually one to to shake up the major league roster. Yet more often than not, if someone's on my major league roster, um, they're they're sitting there for a reason. They're not. They're not a trade piece. It was planned. Um, when it's when it's veterans, on the other hand, that's different. Like Marache and uh, Earwood are squarely on the block right now. I would not mind moving one of those two. But that also that also free up some some gap space. That would that would definitely playing into next year. Um, and not just that, but it gives the young guys a chance because on any given day, I'm sitting a good bat. I'm sitting either Marache or Allison or Rivera, even Osborne. I mean, those are all players that probably have a spot in 28 out of the other 31 lineups. This is true. I'm looking at all your potentials. I mean, Rivera, there's a reason he was the number 15 spec this year. Yeah, he's got solid defense, yeah. But he's also a fan fave, too, so... Oh, yeah, that also helps. The The last thing I want to talk about, and this has come up before, I think, with D. Rich. How is Nate Riley not better than he is? Nate Riley is the Toronto of players. The ratings are there. OSA has him 60 contacts, 75 gaps, 75 home run power, and he can hit lefties with plus-plus defense in right field and elite speed. How is he not better than he is? But see, I think that's... I think just because I'm getting too te- I'm getting too deep into the technical parts, but I mean, we're looking at a 2080. He could be at the bottom end of that 40. Like you're looking at maybe 35, or sorry, I'm like 37.8 out of 40. He's on the lower spectrum, so his eye and his avoid K is pretty low. So he's gonna not walk. He's gonna strike out a lot, in which we've seen. He did it in Texas. He's oh been- yeah, he le- he's led the league in strikeouts each of the last two years. I believe he's already – I mean, like, Earwood, he's the same type of thing. Like, he's got a 35-avoid K. I believe Earwood's, like, fifth all-time at strikeouts among all California Angels. Yeah, he's fourth now. He is – he has a chance of reaching third this year, 160 short. Would not surprise me if he got there. Yeah, that's all – it's all part of it. Like, I think there's something in the back in the back that's 
kind of like there's more to these ratings than there are. Like I believe that some of these things just don't, but I mean that could just be me over over analyzing, which I do a lot, but I mean because I like the numbers behind the numbers, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, that does make sense. But I mean it's because that's what I look for. Like, I just I'm looking at. I never really looked at stats much. I was always a big rating. It's only in the recent like two or three years, where I'm looking at some good guys with really good ratings are still not performing to their ratings. Um, even though they're f- like Nate Riley, even though his his ratings are fully are fully at his potential, he'll just never reach there. And he's been. It shows it, consistently. He's been that mediocre player. But he's done some good OPS. Like he's only started getting worse since he's joined Cal. Like in two thousand eight, he dropped. Uh, sorry, he did. He did the same thing he did in Texas in two thousand eight. He dropped in two thousand in two thousand nine, and then two thousand ten, same thing. He's dropping even more. I think he turns it around. What's funny if you look at. I don't know why you would do this, but if you look at these single-season strikeout records for California Angels in the season season, Earwood first, Riley second, Earwood third, Earwood fourth, Earwood fifth. I just think that's fun to see. But, like, yeah, Earwood, Earwood, uh, Nate Riley's on pace for 251 strikeouts this year, which is um, a lot. In case you didn't know. That's a lot I of strikeouts. It is a lot of strikeouts. Anything else you want to add? No, that's that's about all. I'm glad I get able to see, get to know a little bit more inside uh, Jake's mind and how his team works and how everything kind of sits together and all the trades and some stuff you made and especially going over the draft on why we picked um, that shortstop first. And uh, yeah, it was great talking to you. Oh, yeah, I can talk to the Angels. I can talk about the Angels for more than just two hours, but I don't think anyone wants to wants to hear that has, has it been two hours already yes it has been <laughs> my wife's walked in like three or four times already <laughs> sounds wow. about right um well thank you for the last two hours again for sly i am jake and thank you again for listening to this episode of the skyline podcast thank you thanks for having Peace. me later